This is a podcast of honest, raw, authentic conversations about how to live a hopeful life. Not in the rainbows and unicorns kind of way. Oh no. We're talking about hard stuff. Cancer, loss, fear, and much more. And also the good stuff. Love, laughter, connection. We're going to take time together to talk about how to find light in the darkness. I'm Lara McGregor, founder of Hope Scarves and the Hopeful Life Project. Join me as I navigate my own way of living joyfully with a terminal illness and talk to others who have also found a way to live a hopeful life. Hello, friends. Today you get me, just me, Laura McGregor. I thought I would wrap up 2020 by reflecting on my story and how we got here to this podcast. So in January 2020, I took a big leap. The scary endeavor made me so deeply uneasy, I cracked a tooth from grinding my teeth while sleeping. You see, I started Hope Scarves in 2012 as a way of turning my cancer experience into something meaningful that would help others, building on my personal experience of receiving a scarf from Kelly and my love of stories. And after eight years of hustling hope to make Hope Scarves a sustainable, efficient, relevant, successful nonprofit organization, I had a yearning to do something more, something new and challenging. I wanted to dig into my own story and move deeper into the vulnerability and courage of living life, all of it, the joy and the struggle. I called this a hopeful life project, an extension of Hope Scarves. It launched with the premiere of a beautiful film at the Hope Scarves annual event, and then the work began to round it out as a full blown project. I was stepping beyond Hope Scarves to pursue my dreams of public speaking, writing, and connecting on a deeper level through storytelling. On a crisp, clear night, January 24th, 2020, I officially launched A Hopeful Life as an extension of Hope Scarves in an intimate, beautifully curated gathering thanks to my friends who literally set the most beautiful stage. There, I shared my dreams and tested out some of my storytelling. Before the event, I locked myself in the bathroom, shaking, trembling as I tried to sip a little bit of champagne to calm my nerves. I never get nervous before speaking. I actually have kind of a sick love for public speaking. (laughs) I love the butterflies in my stomach before I step on stage. And I really, really enjoy speaking as the founder of Hope Scarves. But taking this leap was emotional and frightening. The project goals for Hope Scarves included a website, a film, blog, speaking, this podcast, and a book. I had come to think of it like this. Hope Scarves was my hands. My hopeful life was my heart. If Hope Scarves is my action, my hopeful life is my feelings. 
Hope Scarves is a successful nonprofit business. A hopeful life would be my legacy. But I had no idea how hard this was going to be. Hope Scarves was safe and successful and relatively reliably hopeful. I was comfortable leading the organization and taking on challenges this brought. But the idea of a hopeful life was burning inside me. At the same time, I was terribly self-conscious. Who was I to create a platform like this? I felt like a total imposter. Carving out time for a hopeful life was next to impossible because I could find a hundred tasks or projects to work on instead of writing or trying to build a following on Instagram or heaven forbid, move my book concept forward. It's amazing how important organizing your earrings becomes when you're staring at a blank page. Luckily, my procrastination was uprooted by something much bigger than my apprehension. On March 8th, 2020, we hosted an all-day strategic planning retreat for Hope Scarves and a hopeful life with our board and staff. We dreamed big. I left inspired that I could see the path forward from that from the day-to-day workings of Hope Scarves and stepping into this idea of a hopeful life. And most of all, I was reassured by our board and our staff that I was worthy of pursuing my personal dream for a hopeful life. This was also the day recommendations came out from the CDC to stop shaking hands. So we greeted each other with jazz hands, namaste bows, air hugs, and a sheer oblivion of lighthearted happiness with no idea what was coming. Then, well... You all know what happened. The world turned upside down. Enter a global pandemic. Quarantine, confusion, school closings, and the cancellation of the NCAA basketball tournament. That is when it got real in my house. This past year, I have used the word unprecedented more than ever before. But it's just so darn appropriate. Quarantine, stay-at-home orders, virtual learning, masks, social distancing, and constant parenting decisions that require NASA-level threat analysis. <sighs> what a year. Our family moved to our farm to ride out the lockdown orders in our state. For the past two years, we had been renovating this 100-year-old farmhouse and the surrounding acres. But this weekend retreat became our refuge through quarantine. We Zoomed, virtual learned, and virtual worked, followed the news coverage from the safety of our little cocoon. As someone with a compromised immune system, it felt both comforting and confining to escape to the farm. We filled our time in the uncertainty with projects, moving rocks, clearing fields, planting grass, propagating fruit trees. We raised 30 baby chicks, got a new puppy, cooked meals together, and watched lots and lots of movies. For weeks, the only people we saw outside our family of four was the Instacart delivery guy. We lived on our farm for almost three months. Though the fear of the pandemic, economic turmoil, and pain felt around the world was agonizing, 
I will always cherish these weeks when our crazy world stood still and we hunkered down together in the safety of the rolling hills of K Bar M Farm. Despite the privilege of escaping to our farm during the pandemic and everything being canceled, we couldn't escape the reality of cancer. In the midst of quarantine, I found out that the cancer lurking in my body was growing and filling up the lining of my lung again. After just one year, my second treatment for metastatic breast cancer had stopped working. I was heartbroken and terrified. I had my lungs drained only for the cancerous fluid to fill back up within the week. After scans, appointments, and hard discussions in the midst of COVID, we decided to move to another chemo treatment, my third line, slightly more toxic and aggressive to combat this resurgence. I have shakily lived my life the last seven years with metastatic breast cancer. I recently heard this experience referenced kind of like the Smokey the Bear fire threat level sign, constantly on high alert for danger. For many years, I was in the green as I celebrated no evidence of disease, scan after scan. Then I started inching up to yellow, then nearing red. We are all hopeful this new chemo will lower my threat level again. But as of today, I think I'm hovering around yellow, maybe a little orange. Stable on this current chemo, but my lungs are still surrounded by cancerous fluid. My left lung is severely impaired. I think about those cancer cells often, and I hope they don't get feisty and set up camp in my bones, liver, or brain. Living in such uncertainty is exhausting and overwhelming. If you think you're fatigued by this pandemic, try seven years of terminal cancer. <sighs> I have had to reshape my understanding of wellness time and time again. But one of my favorite authors is a lovely woman named Kate Bowler. She is also living with stage four cancer and has created a beautiful platform based on her story. She's an example for me as I try nervously to do the same. But when Kate was first understanding her circumstances, a friend explained it to her like this. Think beyond cured and dying and think instead about how to get from one good outcome to another. Think beyond cured and dying and think instead about how to get from one good outcome to another. When I read this, I gasped out loud. Yes. So much yes. In this weird, uncertain reality of living with stage four cancer, we are keeping vigil in the place of almost death. Kate writes, I stand in the in-between where everyone must pass, but so few can remain. The place of almost death. The in-between where everyone must pass, but so few can remain. That is where I live. Her words are so real to me. They help put meaning to these experiences that I am feeling. 
I'm living in this in-between, balanced between joy and laughter, fear and death. The uncertainty, the unknown, the out-of-controlness of it all. If you think about it, it's kind of the same place we are living as a country right now. An in-between place where so many are dying, so much is lost, yet we all keep living. We're Christmas shopping, ordering takeout, Zooming, watching sports in empty stadiums, and trying to make sense of our lives in this weird, uncertain, in-between time. The hope of a vaccine is providing a glimpse at a possible way out of the in-between, the chance to return to some kind of normal. But still, there is so much uncertainty. I have learned that life is intertwined with uncertainty, fear, and a general sense of things being beyond our control. We're all fatigued by the experience of living this way, simultaneously holding joy and pain, celebrating our children's sweet hugs while we watch the death toll rise across the country. None of us know what the next day holds. The pandemic has taught us many things. One that I think is incredibly important is that we belong to each other. We belong to each other. Our actions are intertwined. We share a responsibility to take care of one another, even those we don't know. I see this in the selfless acts of frontline workers and people sacrificing trips and visits with family to keep each other safe. I see it in the way healthy, strong people alter their lives for the good of all, especially those who are vulnerable. I see selfless acts of sacrifice, kindness, and humility repeatedly. I see how we learn to wear masks and socially distance and limit our activities, simple steps, but so important to help us move forward as a nation, as a world. I also see the opposite, which makes me sad and frustrated. It's like two realities. But we aren't individual isolated people. We are meant to be together. As one of those vulnerable people, you all are helping with your sacrifices and your choices. Thank you for staying the course. Thank you for taking care of each other. Your sacrifices and alterations to your life are truly saving others' lives. We belong to each other. Through this pandemic, I have missed connection, real in-person connection beyond a Zoom screen or text message. My heart aches to hold a friend in a tight embrace and listen to stories, eyes locked in support of their celebration or pain. I need to share my own burden and fear. That 
is what brought me to start this podcast. When I was overwhelmed by my own story, feeling isolated at our farm, I knew what I needed. I needed to share my heart and be held by others. And I needed to hold others and let them be heard. I could find understanding of my own pain and other people's stories. And by listening to others, I could learn. By sharing, they could learn. And our shared experiences will allow us to help carry each other's burdens. My hope for these conversations on this podcast wasn't to create a rosy picture that everything works out for a reason and that hope and happiness prevails. Nope. A hopeful life isn't the absence of pain or the conquering of a problem. I'm not interested in creating an illusion that everything is going to work out okay. I wasn't looking for victory stories. I was yearning to learn how others move through life with fear and pain as part of the story and how they still find joy and love and light. In our first eight conversations, I spoke with women facing metastatic breast cancer like me, but with different perspectives. I talked with Kelly who lost her son, Charles, and Jessica, who a caregiver for her husband, Tommy, facing stage four cancer. I listened to Whitney's story of surviving a mass shooting. We cried, we laughed, and we listened. And while each story shared in this podcast is unique, a theme emerged through these first episodes. Connection. Each person found peace and a path forward with the help of others who carried their burden. And in telling their story, our conversation allowed grace and love to continue to clear a path forward for each person. They learned to face each day with their pain and insecurity, not because these feelings were resolved, but because they learned how to carry them. Today, the whole world has learned what it's like to live with persistent uncertainty. My wish, as we round out this unprecedented year of 2020, is that we've also learned that we belong to each other in a way we could never have understood before. We have seen now firsthand that we get through hard things by helping to carry each other, not incessantly focused on our own agenda, but with wider eyes and open hearts, listening, learning, helping, encouraging one another, because life doesn't start when the struggle ends. Life is right here. Right now, this is a hopeful life. Thank you for following along with this podcast and listening to these stories. 
though I didn't pursue a hopeful life in the way that I thought I would in 2020, I'm really grateful that this podcast is the first step in that direction. And I also am grateful that I am back in the weeds at Hope Scarves, helping see our organization through this pandemic. And I'm so grateful to be able to roll up my sleeves with our staff and our board and figure out how to sustain the work that we do supporting people facing cancer through Scarves Stories and Research. It's right where I need to be. And though I wanted to take this step away, for some reason, you know, it felt super scary. And I think that's because it's more intertwined. A hopeful life and hope scarves are intertwined. And though I will write the book and I will pursue, you know, these ideas I had for this extension of hope scarves, I'm right where I need to be. And that feels good. And I'm so grateful for you for listening to the podcast and to all our donors who have helped hope scarves sustain our work through the pandemic. Oh, just so humbled. And most of all, I'm grateful for those of you who have reached out and said that my words and my story helped put your experience into context or put words to what you're feeling because that is the best encouragement that I could get. I'm so grateful that my story helps others relate their experience to others. You know, there's something really comforting about that sense of connection. So thank you for listening to my story today and for sharing your stories. And I'm really excited to see what we can do with this podcast and how we can continue to share beautiful stories of love and joy and peace, not because of the absence of struggle, but because the struggle is part of that story and that we have found a way to hold both joy and pain in the same hand at the same time. And that is what it means to live a hopeful life. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for all your love and support. It's been a year. Take time to realize the joys and the beauty, even in the struggle. Thanks for listening to our stories. I hope you take away something you can apply to your hopeful life. Help keep the hopeful life momentum going by sharing our podcast and take a minute to rate and write a review. If you'd like to learn more, check out our websites, myhopefullife.org and hopescarves.org.